Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you and good morning, everyone. Welcome to IPG's 2020 third quarter conference call. Joining me is Jeff Crystal, our CFO. During the call, we will make reference to our earnings presentation that you can download from the investor relations section of our website. It was an outstanding quarter for the business. It all starts with our team. We supply essential packaging and protective products to our distribution and end user customers. Our employees continue to perform exceptionally well as we deal with the changes to our work and life as a result of the pandemic. Their commitment to show up and to perform their work in a safe and professional manner makes me proud, but it doesn't end when they walk out of the plant or office. Their safety and health outside of work is just as important at this time, and they have demonstrated respect for their colleagues and their communities in this aspect as well. Their emphasis on working safely and servicing our customers has ensured an uninterrupted supply of the essential products we produce. This work has resulted in our strongest quarter ever. The numbers speak for themselves when compared to the prior year's quarter. 323 million in revenue in the quarter, up 10%. 64.5 million in adjusted EBITDA, up 40%, which translates into a 20% adjusted EBITDA margin and 59.2 million in free cash flow generation, up 52%. Over the course of the past five years, we've invested in the business to build a world-class, low-cost manufacturing base with an emphasis on our key growth markets. We made these investments for a specific purpose, 
to be competitive regardless of the economic cycle. Those investments have set the stage for what you are seeing now. The pandemic has impacted businesses differently depending on the markets they serve. What is becoming clear to us is the structural change underway in e-commerce, which is very favorable to us. Increased demand in this e-commerce market, as well as in building construction and a return to positive performance in most of our other end markets was an important component of the growth we are experiencing. On the other side of the equation is the performance of the business. Our plants continue to perform extremely well. We continue to effectively manage the spread between selling prices and raw material costs. And the cost reduction program that we implemented earlier this year is providing benefits. Each of these elements contributed to our strong results in the third quarter. After the initial onset of the pandemic, a common question we received from investors was when would the business return to its 2019 run rate? We have now exceeded that run rate based on the third quarter. As we open the fourth quarter, our order book to date remains strong and is consistent with what we saw in the third quarter. As a result, we provided an outlook for the fourth quarter across a number of key metrics this morning. Revenue in the fourth quarter is expected to grow by 10% or more compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to be between 58 and 63 million in the fourth quarter. And free cash flow is expected to be between 35 million to 45 million. The free cash flow figure takes into account a planned increase in our expected capital expenditures to a more normalized range. Which brings us to our capital allocation strategy. Debt repayment remains our number one priority for capital. With the robust performance in the third quarter, we repaid more than $49 million in debt and drove down our total leverage ratio to 2.7 times. As we've mentioned previously, our targeted ratio is 2 to 2.5 two times, and we've made great progress on approaching that range in the quarter. However, as we've said before, we need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Our performance has created greater flexibility than what we initially envisioned at the onset of the pandemic. This morning, we announced the board has declared a 6.8% increase to the fourth quarter dividend to 15 and three quarter cents per share, or 63 cents on an annualized basis. This increase represents an incremental draw of approximately 2.4 million of cash on an annualized basis. The dividend increase represents our confidence in the ongoing cash flow generation of the business. At the same time, with this flexibility, we've decided to increase our capital expenditure budget for 2020 to support growth initiatives in our key verticals, primarily e-commerce. Year to date, we've invested $21 million in CapEx, which put, put us on track to meet our initial outlook of 30 to $40 million we established in March. Based on the growth we are experiencing in the e-commerce end market, we've adjusted our 2020 full capex to be between 45 and 50 million, which is still well within the range of a normal annual investment, which we have previously stated between 40 to 60 million dollars. These new investments support the growth we are experiencing in e-commerce demand by accelerating capacity expansion 
in product categories. Independent research reports the major e-commerce retailers have experienced strong growth since the onset of the pandemic. The report suggests the growth is being exhibited in a couple ways. Number one, an increase in active customer base, bringing new participants into the market that have not used e-commerce previously. Number two, an increase in order frequency. Customers are ordering more often across a wider range of products. Packaging products targeted at e-commerce will benefit from these growth drivers. The demand we are experiencing in water-activated tape and certain protective packaging products reflect the growth experienced by the major e-commerce players. The reports highlight that the structurally higher e-commerce adoption and order frequency will remain a tailwind into 2022 and beyond. The shift from brick-and-mortar to e-commerce benefits us because of our disproportionately larger market share as many e-commerce players use water-activated tape as their preferred box closure method, which is not the case in brick-and-mortar retail. E-commerce is not only an important vertical from a volume perspective, but it is also accretive to our adjusted EBITDA margin profile of the overall business. We also continue to see strong demand in the building construction end market, which benefits our wovens and industrial tape categories. On the wovens business, the investment we made in building capacity in India and the acquisition of MyWeave have improved the margin profile of this category. Historically, the wovens business underperformed the average corporate margin profile, but that is no longer the case. The investment decision to build the wovens greenfield in India has met its objectives through both structurally and materially improving the profitability and EBITDA contribution of this business. This is even more meaningful given the current tailwinds we are seeing in the building construction customer channel. Overall, the diversity of both our end markets and product offering, as well as the essential nature of our products, have been core to the underlying performance of the business. We believe one of the key strengths of, our, of the product bundle moving forward will be our capability to offer our customers and their end users sustainability benefits. We continue to invest in both new products as well as qualifying existing products against recognized and credible sustainability standards in the market so customers and end users can make informed decisions. As an update, we recently received cradle-to-cradle certification for two additional products. Number one, our woven NovaShield structure membrane, a woven's product which is uh, uh, proven material of choice for fabric buildings in all climates. Number two are stretch films that are used to palletize goods for shipping. In total, we have now received the cradle-to-cradle certification on four major product lines, including the early, earlier certifications for water-activated tape and shrink film. It is an understatement to say that this year has been a challenging environment, but we believe the actions we have taken have put us in a strong position to compete effectively through any market. We are seeing the benefits in profits and cash flow from the investments we have made over the past five years, both in CapEx and M&A, and our performance in the third quarter supports our conviction. We have built a business that generates free cash flow serving essential markets. With that, I'll turn it over to Jeff to review the financials. Jeff? Thank you, Greg. 
On page 8 of the presentation, we present an analysis of our revenue for the third quarter. Revenue was $323 million, an increase of 10% compared to the same period in 2019. The change was primarily due to increased demand in products with significant e-commerce and market exposure. Volume mix accounted for 9% of the increase compared to last year, primarily due to strength in water-activated tape, mailers, and void fill, each of which addressed the e-commerce market as well as wovens, which addressed the building construction market. In terms of underperforming categories, there was nominal pressure in acrylic and masking tapes, but it was marginal compared to the same period last year. Lower prices impacted revenue by less than 1%, which were predominantly related to the management of spread on lower raw materials. Turning to page 9, gross margin was 26% in the third quarter, an improvement of 422 basis points compared to the same period in 2019. Greg called out the drivers of the margin improvement earlier, specifically the effective management of the spread between selling prices and raw material and freight costs, and favorable plant performance as a result of both the leverage of increased production to meet demand and the benefit of the cost savings implemented in response to the pandemic. Adjusted EBITDA improved 40% to $64.5 million compared to the same period last year. The improvement was primarily driven by the margin drivers I mentioned earlier, being spread management and plant performance, as well as cost savings measures within our SG&A expenses. Cash flows from operating activities improved by $19.2 million to $67.5 million in the third quarter compared to the same period in 2019. The improvement was primarily the result of the higher gross profits. Free cash flows improved by $20.2 million to $59.2 million in the quarter compared to the same period in 2019. The improvement was primarily due to the increase in cash flows from operating activities. As Greg mentioned, we have increased our targeted range of capital expenditures for 2020 to $45 to $50 million to address strategic growth projects primarily related to e-commerce demand. Our outlook for the expected effective tax rate remains unchanged at 20% to 25%. Cash taxes paid in 2020 are expected to approximate income tax expense, which was taken into consideration when establishing the free cash flows outlook for the fourth quarter of 35 to 45 million, which Greg referenced earlier. We expect the free cash flows for the fourth quarter of 2020 to be in line with the same period in 2019 once you take into consideration the increase CAPEX to address the strong e-commerce demand and the increase in cash taxes. Based on the third quarter results, our liquidity and the capital structure, which were strong entering the pandemic, have improved even more. We finished the third quarter with $372.2 million in cash and loan availability. Our total leverage ratio at the end of the third quarter, which includes the unsecured debt, was 2.7 times which is an improvement of six-tenths of a turn from the prior period. We do not have any maintenance covenant on total leverage. Our secured net leverage ratio, which is our most important loan covenant, came in four-tenths of a turn lower at 1.4 times compared to the second quarter of 2020. At that level, it is well within its limit of 3.7 times. With the onset of a second wave of new case counts in a number of regions, the duration of the pandemic is clearly uncertain. What we do know today is how our business performed during both the severe lockdowns experienced from March through June, as well as the less restrictive but still abnormal environment we find ourselves in today. 
We will continue to manage the business to ensure both the safety of our employees and high level of service to our customers in order to deliver for our shareholders. Now I'll turn it back over to Greg for his closing, closing thoughts. Greg? Thanks, Jeff. It was a great quarter. We endured the uncertainty of the first half of 2020. We had to be agile and proactive, and we were. The business demonstrated resiliency in the third quarter, and based on the outlook that we've announced today, we expect more of the same in the fourth quarter. It's human nature to want to return to normal. It's familiar and well understood, but we are operating in a new environment. Changes have taken place in the market that I believe will endure. The new participants using e-commerce have accelerated the transformation of retail. The increased focus on sustainable attributes in the supply chain is not going to disappear and we, as we all focus on safe and healthier lifestyle choices. Our business delivers on both fronts. We provide essential packaging and protective products for the economy. We've made a series of investments to build a world-class, low-cost manufacturing base that can compete effectively in any market cycle. And as we continue to make disciplined investments as necessary in markets where demand is growing like e-commerce and sustainability, it's an engine that delivers strong cash flows. We have a strong balance sheet and a liquidity position that offers us the flexibility to be both defensive and offensive depending on the market cycle. These are the essential characteristics that position us to come out the other side of this pandemic in a very strong position in the market. I'd like to thank our employees. This is a challenging situation for everyone. I could not be more proud of how they've conducted themselves and the level of commitment to the organization they have demonstrated. It's truly tremendous. With that, I'll turn the call back to the operator to open up the question and answer period. Thank you. As a reminder, in order to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question is from Michael Dumont with Scotiabank. Your line is open. Uh, fantastic quarter, guys. Um, Thanks. The sales increase is, is no doubt impressive, um, and I think we're all going to try to parse out, um, you know, how much of the increase was structural versus cyclical, um, and that will impart depend on you know how much e-commerce was driving the growth versus other categories as well as gauging um, overall restocking um, any way you can provide us with um, you know a range of the e-commerce contribution to the organic growth or any general comments there so I'll make a couple comments just overall we take a restocking you know and uh, we look at a kind of sequential chart uh, this year of our order book you know we really haven't seen um, anything but increased demand as we've moved out of the shutdown. So certainly restocking um, doesn't appear to be apparent in our order book at this point. Like it hasn't dropped off, in other words. Um, and then on, just on the margin side, and then Jeff can comment on e-commerce. You know, on the margin side, when we think of, you know, the operational performance of the business, um, certainly you look at the contribution that we have out of our Indian operations in the quarter um, you know, those played a key role in uh, the EBITDA improvement um, outside of e-commerce. Yeah, and then in terms of, you know, growth, when we think of the quarter, I mean, certainly e-commerce was the, the leader uh, in terms of generating the growth in the quarter, um, you know, which, which, as you know, we saw in Q2 as well. Uh, and as we mentioned in our, in our prepared remarks, you know, you, you read all these uh, more formal reports coming out there on the e-commerce industry and, and certainly... 
uh, people believe that that is a structural change and that has accelerated the growth of e-commerce and that we intend to see that you know continue. Um, but then we also saw you know good growth as we mentioned in our uh, in our uh, disclosures around the building construction and retail side. Um, that was quite strong and and, and again you know the, the building and construction you see the stats out there. Uh, that are public, and, and then uh, even on the retail side, you know, we saw some good demand. You know, some of that may have been restocking, but some of it, but a lot of it is uh, also related to, you know, people who are uh, doing things at home, do-it-yourself things. A lot of those types of uh, supplies, uh, we're, we're seeing heavy growth in the quarter, and, and continue, we continue to see that trend as well, um, with people not taking vacations and moving and with, with work-from-home type setups um, being somewhat permanent for a lot of people, or at least partially permanent. Um, so we, we, we see good trends in those areas as well. And then when I think about the rest of the business, like even the general manufacturing, transportation, food and beverage, you know, we saw some marginal decreases, I guess, when you look at uh, the quarter, but really it was almost flat to last year. So there wasn't really as much weakness um, in those categories as you might have expected. So, uh, and we continue to see that as well. Spreckman with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, great quarter, everyone. Uh, very impressive. Uh, I, I'd like to, uh, to, yeah, to ask into looking at next year here on your program. Obviously, uh, you know when we bring your your, your organization uh, in the Carolinas last time, it, it, it certainly it certainly suggested there was lots of room. At low cost, relative to the, the rollout of water-activated plant, is that when we look into next, how much have you built in with this increased growth capex that you're spending in the fourth quarter, and should we see therefore uh, a, a larger than normal range capex spend in 2021 as you further look to take advantage of the e-commerce growth opportunity? Yeah, so good morning, Walter. Um, you, you kind of broke up quite a bit there on the question, but I, I think I've got the gist of it. So if I, if I don't cover it properly, please let me know. Um, so with some of the work that we're doing right now on accelerating our CapEx for this year, um, some of that has to do with just debottlenecking uh, in certain cases, uh, some production. Um, so upgrading of existing equipment that will give us uh, incremental capacity. Um, you know, as it relates to the, the Midland facility, I think you referenced, um, you know, we have not announced any further expansions in that facility at that point. So, so what we see right now is not expanding that facility. And then as we look into 2021, you know, certainly the company's got um, lots of uh, opportunities here from an organic perspective to grow. Um, you know, we're just working through our budgets right now and, and certainly you know, we'll, we'll come out with, uh, with some kind of CapEx guide, uh, I assume, when we announce Q4. So it's too early to talk about that uh, at this point. You know, but I, I will reiterate that, like in a normal state, I mean, this business from a CapEx perspective should run about 40 to $60 million a year. Okay, that makes, uh, makes sense. Hopefully you can hear me a little bit better here. I've switched over headsets. Um, yeah, much, much better. Perfect. Okay, just my follow-up question here is is really on your pipeline. You mentioned it's it, it, it's a strong order book, and uh, and you like what you see as you go into e-commerce here, or uh, go into the e-commerce peak. 
How much visibility do you have into 2021? Obviously, we're going to be putting together our own numbers here as we look out to 2021. Um, you know, does your order book give you visibility six months, three months out? And, 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 and those comments, are they really applying to the fourth quarter or do they extend here into 2021? Well, listen, I think certainly there's some extension there as we re- reference kind of the structural change that we're seeing in the business, right? So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to comment too much on on next year. You know, the other comments I will make is, you know, some of the um uh capture that we've made from an operational improvement perspective, certainly we expect that to carry forward. Uh and as you look at the revenue increases, you know, on our guide in Q4 plus 10 um or greater than plus 10, um, certainly, there's a lot of leverage there as we move through uh, our fixed asset base um, there. Yeah, I guess, Walter, to your question, I mean, but what we actually see in our order books typically is three to four weeks out for the most part. So, right. wouldn't have really strong visibility into that. Okay, that's, uh, that's those are my two. Thanks very much, guys. Great quarter. Thank you. Our next question is from Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Great, great. Congrats on a great quarter. Thank you. I just wanted to circle around on the gross margin. Um, you know, a very strong Q3, and I'm just wondering if you can talk about some of the puts and takes as you roll into Q4. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think when you think about Q4 and what we what we expect to see, even just based on our guidance there, you could see that. The EBITDA margin, you know, if you run a few scenarios on ranges in revenue and uh, an EBITDA that we provided should still remain at an elevated level. There may be a slight dip uh, from the Q3 when you think of the EBITDA margin, um, you know, as well as potentially the gross margin a little bit. And that's because we did have, as, as I mentioned on the last call in August, in Q2, um, because we had to take shutdown time as a result of the decrease in demand due to the COVID shutdowns, uh, we had to recognize all of the costs that uh, were unabsorbed in, in our, into our inventory in Q2. So we kind of got hit harder in Q2 um, for those shutdown costs, which typically would roll along with your inventory, right? So, so Q3 benefited a little bit from that. But again, that's not a massive benefit. So I would expect that to be a little bit of a headwind going into, into Q4. But besides that, you know, you have the cost savings initiatives, you've got the plant performance, You've got the management of the spread, you know, and we expect to see the same trend there. Okay, that's uh, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and then I just wanted to clarify, um, Greg, your, your answer to an earlier question with respect to uh, e-commerce CapEx investment. You said that you're not expanding Midland, so can you give a little bit of a color of where that incremental capacity is going on the e-commerce side? So we have uh, we have two facilities that manufacture that product, and we're doing some de-bottlenecking on the other facility, and that's my reference to that capex. Uh, certainly, when we think of that business as well, we're looking at uh, adding some capability as it relates to specifically around printing. Um, so those are those are where the capacity expansions are going right now. Okay, that's uh, that's great. Thank you, and congrats on a great quarter. Thank you. Your next question is from David Ocampo with Cormac Securities. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. 
My first one here is on, on Nortech. It looks like sales in the quarter were, were better than the previous quarter, but it still looks like it's losing money on the bottom line. What, what are some of the factors driving that, and, and do you have a good pathway to, to profitability? Yeah, so we, we talked about this a couple of times. I mean, so Nortech was one of our harder-hit businesses um, as a result of all the, the COVID shutdowns and just generally the pandemic. Uh, because as you know, uh, Nortech services the automate, automated packaging industry, so they, they produce you know, heavy packaging equipment. And so we saw a lot of uh, customers delaying orders um, you know, early on in, in the pandemic and, and, and certainly have seen that over the, last, you know, the remainder of most of the year. And so we are starting to see that alleviate. You know, we're starting to see customers come back to the table um, to fulfill orders that were previously made as well as getting more traction on new orders. So we think that this is a temporary issue, uh, and we expect to see a lot more strength going into 2021. That's great. My, my next one here is I just want to circle back on the margins, because even if I take the midpoint, it looks like it's at 18.5%. And, and previously, you guys have talked about you know, 15% as more of your long-term target. Can we assume that this is sustainable going forward, and this is, this is sort of the new level? So our target was always greater than 15%. Like it wasn't 15%, so I would always caveat that. And look, with the visibility that we have right now and, and what we see as it relates to all of those factors that we discussed, um, we see that margin uh, staying there where we are um, with what we see right now. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Next question is from Roger Smith with Bank of America. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Morning. Your, morning, Roger. Your 2020 guidance uh, implies Q4 20 capex of 26 to 27 million, um, kind of at the midpoint. Assuming I'm doing my my sums correctly, uh, can you ramp up your spend uh, that quickly? And do you have a 2021 capex uh, preliminary uh, thought? So on the, on the CapEx specifically, um, we, we expect to ramp it up that quickly in Q4. There are a lot of projects that we've been looking at for the last two, three, four, or five months um, that we're executing on. Um, so we feel like we can execute on that. Um, you know, sometimes it gets a little lumpy with, with order acceptance and down payments and things of that nature. But, you know, that's, that's the visibility we have right now. As it relates to 2021, as, we, as I said earlier, you know, we're going through the budgeting process right now. Um, and, and we're really not going to provide an update until we get through in March. Um, certainly, there's lots of opportunities here uh, from an organic growth perspective, however. Uh, thanks. And the other thing is, if I heard your prepared remarks correctly, I think you gave uh, 2020 cash taxes of 35 to 45 million in line with your book taxes. Uh, no. The, the 35 to 45 million was the Q4 uh, free cash flow guidance. Okay. Um, so cash yeah. taxes, yeah, cash taxes are expected to basically approximate the uh, income tax expense. Ms. thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, Roger. Your next question is from Scott Thompson with CIBC. Your line is open. Thanks. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Just want to circle back on e-commerce. Um, are you able to break down year-over-year -year growth and uh, and revenues as a total of uh, uh, as a percentage of total revenues? 
of e-commerce? Commerce, yeah, we haven't broken it down, but uh, but certainly the e-commerce would be a large piece of it. But like I said, we saw significant growth as well in in the building and construction retail channels too. And and Scott, we expect to, you know, at the end of this year, uh, recalibrate. You know, we had that disclosure at the end of Q1, the end markets that we serve. And we would expect to update uh, our shareholders uh, with that at the end of 2020 uh, when we announce Q4. Okay, that's, that's great. And uh, can you talk about how much of that growth, without giving figures, in e-commerce is water-activated tape and how much is uh, protective uh, packaging? Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw tremendous growth in both. Honestly, um, you know, water-activated tape was definitely a very strong growth uh, growth driver, and, and certainly a, a larger product line. Uh, but we saw tremendous growth when you think of uh, void fill in protective packaging, both uh, paper void fill, plastic void fill, as well as uh, mailers. And then on top of that, I would also include that we've seen tremendous growth in our. Um, dispensing equipment yep. uh, that we sell into e-commerce. Um, so the machinery going with the consumable, and then on top of that, we, we've continued to deploy uh, our service uh, around those pieces of equipment in these fulfillment centers. So obviously you have uh, some big customers, but it sounds like you're getting some pretty good growth out of uh, out of the smaller uh, customer base, uh, folks have never really been big in, in the online presence. Is that, uh, is that correct? Yeah, what we're seeing there, and that's a good question or a good comment, uh, what we're seeing there is obviously the percentage of growth being much higher than, than the bigger people. Um, and, and in some degree, they're playing catch-up. So we, we've be definitely benefited from that uh, in that space in e-commerce as well. That's uh, that sounds fair. Steel there looks like it's been showing much uh, lighter growth, just a little bit over three percent in, uh, in the last quarter. Um, and are you seeing? Final question: Are you seeing any change in customer usage patterns between water-activated tape and uh, and polymer tapes? Um, I would I would say like as a percentage of what's being consumed, I would say it's staying somewhat uh, the same. We're seeing opportunities, however, I would I would throw it that we're seeing opportunities globally to convert uh, from plastic to water-activated tape, and in some cases convert from plastic to a pressure-sensitive paper tape. Um, those would be in places like Asia into parts of Europe. Um, so certainly there's opportunity there to convert uh, from another sealing method. Maybe just one more. Can you give us an idea on margin dollar difference between the two? Between uh, between water activated tape and the uh, and the polymer, I would say I would say on the margin side, it's 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 pretty close. On a dollar basis or percentage basis? Percentage basis. Percentage basis. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks very much. Appreciate you taking my questions. Thank you. Um, Your next question is from Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. Congrats on the quarter. Thank you. Uh, first question for you on uh, across the company. What kind of available capacity do you have for existing facilities, so underutilized assets? 
we, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't that. disclose that because it's very difficult with just within the the mix, and and many of our products have multiple steps they have to go through to to get to their final components. So, you know, you have extrusion, you have coating, you have converting, you have printing, you have things of that nature. So it's a pretty complicated capacity exposure. What I would say though is, in uh, many of our areas that we are participating within e-commerce we are bumping into some capacity issues in those areas um, and, and you're seeing some of our reaction to that through um, the increase in our CapEx guide for 2020. And we think there are, as I said earlier, some opportunities specifically around debottlenecking um, some of the equipment that is capacity restrained um, and, and move forward and open up some capacity. But I would say I would also I would also say that that you know just to give you a little color because again the capacity question is difficult um, to answer. In most of our plants right now, we are busy, very busy. That's helpful. Thanks. Uh, and you mentioned installing printing equipment to help the bottlenecks the watt line outside Portland. Uh, can you give us any other examples of a specific debottlenecking application? Well, certainly in, in protective packaging, you know, certainly we're looking at our mailer business and debottlenecking some of our equipment on our mailer side. So again, going into e-commerce on, on the mailer side, uh, on the equipment manufacturing side, on the dispensing equipment, um, you know, we're debottlenecking that process as well um, to increase capacity. Uh, and then within our tape area, specifically on our coders, uh, that's where we're doing a fair amount of debottlenecking as well. And that, that has to do with our facility in Menasha, Wisconsin. Thank you very much. Last one for me, uh, and I do appreciate the color on gross margins so far, the different puts and takes uh, in the accounting treatment and the potential headwind there. Um, looking specifically at the managed spread piece, though, can you hold on to that uptick for the long term? Because I know that previously you've mentioned that some customers have very good visibility onto that spread and they push back. Yeah, so listen, I think, I, I think I'd comment on that, that, that I can only speak to what we see right now. And, and we feel good about managing that spread right now and, and where we are. And, and we see that going forward just as our guidance indicates into Q4. Um, hard, hard to predict on a longer scale perspective. But, but again, just boiling back to or, or going back to kind of our strategy around our assets and going back to our operational improvements that we've made in our facilities, you know, certainly we don't plan on giving those up on a go-forward basis. Um, and that, at the end of the day, helps your spread because in many cases, uh, your waste numbers are lower, your productivity's up, and you, and you can pick up some spread between sell price and raw materials. That's great. Thanks. I'll turn it over. Thanks. Your next question is from Michael Dumet with Scotia Capital. Your line is open. Michael? There? You dropped off. Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, not, not doing great on the phone today, but uh, <laughs> just following up, um, Greg, to, to, to your answer, 
to, to my question there at the beginning, I think, in response to uh, the restocking trends, you had indicated that sales have continued to increase, essentially since the lockdown. Um, and into Q4, you know, this year we've got Prime Day. Um, that was in Q3 last year. And, and overall, we should presumably expect e-commerce to strengthen in Q4. So it feels like there's a pretty good chance that sales improve sequentially. Uh, I'd just like to ask, I mean, are there offsets that we should consider into, into Q4? From a, from a demand perspective? Correct. Uh, um, I, I do not see them. Look, I, I see... You know, when I think of I think of where we were from a trough demand perspective, you know, that pretty much hit April, May, as everyone knows. And we saw a pretty sequential, like even performance June, July, and then August, September up, uh, and that's continued. Um, so so when you think of, of kind of where we were trough to peak, you know, we kind of peaked, you know, on a consistent basis, August, September, October. Perfect. Okay. Um, and then going back to the previous answer, if I heard you correctly, you ind indicated that EBITDA margin or the improvement was um, essentially structural. Um, so your Q3 margin was 20% and at the low end of your Q4 guidance it implies about an 18% margin. Is that the range we should expect going forward? Well, like I said, I, I think the the twenty percent, what like I said, was was somewhat high just because of some of the accounting treatment of the costs going through Q2. Um, but certainly, you know, when we think of the eighteen percent, um, you know, at this point, we don't see a reason why that can't be maintained. Of course, you know, we there's a lot of uncertainty in the market and what's going to happen for next year. But at this point, uh, based on the cost the cost uh, measures that we've taken, based on how our plants are performing. Based on the leverage that we're getting from filling up some of the investments that we've made, and based on the demand that we have, um, we don't see that going down. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in the last quarter, our capital deployment discussions were focused on debt repayment. Um, it looks like with these results, your Q4, um, and I guess going forward, free cash flow improves, um, and your leverage ratios are reduced quite substantially. Where do we see capital deployment? beyond organic growth and, and dividend at this point? So, you know, as we stated right now, as we sit here today, um, we're focused on debt repayment. Um, certainly as we move into 2021, you know, certainly as I've stated before is, you know, we're still interested specifically around bolt-on acquisitions, specifically things that can add um, products to our um, platform, if you will, within e-commerce and leverage our platform in e-commerce. So certainly that could be an area of deployment. Um, but but at the end of the day, right now as we sit here, you know, our focus is on that debt repayment and getting to within that normalized range of two to two and a half times leverage. Gotcha. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Your next question is from Roger Smith with Bank of America. Your line is open. Thank you for the follow-up. Just wanted to ask whether you had any guidance on Q4 working capital inflow or outflow as part of the 35 to 45 million uh, free cash flow. Yeah, we don't get specific guidance, but you know, normally in Q4 we do see a nice unraveling of our working capital. Uh, so you know, what, what we did say is when you compare to last year, 
We should see something similar to what we saw last year, uh, minus the CapEx, because obviously the CapEx is backloaded this year, as well as the cash taxes will be somewhat elevated this quarter versus last year. So if you take those things out, we should be somewhat similar to last year. And that, that'll give you an idea, if you look at last year's working capital movement, what we might see. Thank you very much. No problem. I'll now turn the call back over for closing remarks. Thank you. If there are no, no other further questions, let me thank you for participating in today's call. We look forward to speaking with you again following the release of our fourth quarter 2020 results in March of 2021. In the meantime, I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. Thank you very much. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.